a reading from Fresh Hope, Living Well in Spite of a Mental Health Diagnosis by Pastor Brad. In Christ, we find the power to move from being a victim to becoming a victor. For you to experience this victory, there is a critical step you need to take. Learn to separate yourself from the disorder. Learn to separate yourself from the disorder. In other words, you need to unchain yourself and attach yourself firmly to Christ. Many Christians with mental disorders unknowingly, unknowingly keep themselves chained to the monster and then wonder why God isn't helping them. If we join hands, so to speak, with our disorder and begin to identify with it rather than with Christ, then it becomes who you are. It is critical that you learn to separate yourself from the disorder. You, heartlifter, are not your disorder. You are a new creation in Christ. You are not the monster. You have been given the mind of Christ. You are not the problem. Your disorder is the problem. And understanding this truth, this concept is essential to a hope-filled journey of recovery. Sometimes the story we tell ourselves is not really true. Sometimes the story others tell about us is not really true. Here on today's Heart Lift with Janelle, we are going to learn how to rewrite our story. So pick up your favorite pen and journal, grab a cup of something delicious, and start your heartlifting journey towards living a meaningful life. Hello, and welcome back to today's Heartlift with Janelle. So happy to have you back for part two of my conversation with Pastor Brad, author of Fresh Hope, Living Well in Spite of a Mental Health Diagnosis. In part one, Pastor Brad and I talked about his discovery and his identification of having this mental diagnosis of bipolar disorder. And he was so candid and so honest, and I'm so grateful to have been able to have him come and help us understand how to bridge that gap and integrate faith and mental health. So in part two, we welcome back Brad, and we begin with how he came to the diagnosis, how that happened in his life, and I believe that that will help you if you know someone or perhaps you are identifying with this conversation and want to get some help. So today, Brad's going to share the rest of his story. He's going to give us insights on how to get help and then how to move forward. So how were you diagnosed, if I can ask? I mean, how 
how how was I diagnosed? Yeah, what I mean, oh, you're, you're a, still this, married. You're still with your oh, wife. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Let um, me tell you, long story short, I couldn't have made it without my wife. Mm-hmm. My wife immediately, when all of this happened, and at first only one or two elders knew, and no one else knew in the church, and then it broke in the news, and everybody knew, and yada, gosh. yada, yada. And a lot of people looked at my wife and said, You can't stay with him. You should. I'm sure. And um, I have no doubt. She looked at me and she said, I know who you are separate of this, whatever. Mm. And once I was diagnosed, she said, you if you do whatever you need to do to get better and work at staying well, mm. even though I know it will be a bumpy ride, I'm with you all the way. Wow, but if, that takes if, a special person. Yeah. But if, but if you don't, I can't do this. Right. Right. Well, that's, that's what I needed to hear. She set a boundary. And right. um, it was the one thing that clicked. She only said that to me once. Okay. And um, she didn't have to ever say it again. Mm-hmm. Now, seven years after I was diagnosed, then um, I did relapse, but it was not due to me not taking my medicine. Okay. Um, it was more due to me. Um, I, I got some medicine goofed up and I thought I corrected it the next day. And right. But I was under a huge amount of stress because our family, um, I only have one sister. So there's just the two of us and my nephew, she has two boys. Um, the youngest one was injured in a bus crash and almost died and mm. is in a wheelchair yet today with multiple, mm. had multiple bleeds on the brain. And my medicine goofed up and our new church was relocating. Oh, goodness. I was getting triggered and, you know. Oh, sure. Were you pastoring again? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I I stayed. Now, when it happened originally in 95, I, um, you know, was finally asked to resign. By that time, a group of people, mainly medical people, had come around us and said, um, that's fine, go ahead and resign. We're going to start a church and we want you to be our pastor, but we don't want you to work. And if when what we want you to do is focus on getting uh, better and healing from all of this mm. and a safe place to, to wow. do that with your family. And um, these five families said, if, um, if you don't want to be our pastor at the end of that time, we will, in fact, um, uh, understand that, and um, but we will have done what we were supposed to do. And then on top of it, they gave me a pay raise of 18%. Wow. And said, wow. Now, now get better. We're just going to love on you. So people believed in you. They, be, I mean, that's, wow. Oh, well, that's crazy. They, they understood. Yes. Of, well, and one of them was my doctor. Okay. Who was an elder at the other church. Oh. And he, he was key in this because um, mm. I went to Pine Rest Hospital in Michigan. And fortunately, it was the right place. And yes, which is really, a big, big decision and a big uh, prayer for people to uh, find the right place. 
yeah. work and the right people to help. Right. Me. Mm-hmm. And I had a 72 year old uh, doctor who she mm. had been a missionary in Africa. That was my psychiatrist. Oh my and, goodness. Um, <laughs> Uh, what happened is I was severely depressed prior to going to the hospital. So a doctor friend of mine, she thinking she was helping me, gave me a bag of Prozac in a mm. baggie, a zip back. In a baggie. Baggie okay. bag of Prozac. Right. I remember having that. By the time I got to the hospital, mm. I was ready to run it. I thought they were lucky to have me, you know. Dear God. And yes. um, so I was we're laughing, but it's, I'm just laughing with you. This is oh, not, yeah. no, it's not no, funny. No. It, it's not funny at it, the time. Right. Well, it wasn't, but I can mm-hmm. laugh about it. Today. Yeah. And right. I thank God for all the difficulties mm-hmm. I do. I, yeah. because I understand. I'm, for 19 years now, I've had no episodes, no issues, no, you know. Mm-hmm. Other Praise be to God. Mm-hmm. Stuff that everyday people have, you know. Yes, normal. Um, and yeah. I mean... Brad, I just feel like, um, especially in the last, you know, two and a half years, I mean, there life has been stressful, but boy, now it's just exasperated into global yes, pandemic yes. trauma. Yeah. So we have but a collective trauma. It's in the air. It's in the yep. air. Yep. I, and I haven't done always well with all of that, but mm-hmm. it isn't because of having bipolar disorder. It's just because I'm a human being. Yeah. Life but is my, tough. My mood has been stable short of little depression here maybe a little excitement there but the doctor and i both agree that that's just normal you're gonna feel that sometimes i think people with mental health issues um everybody around them expects them to never be down or never to Mm -hmm. be up you know and that's just not but there's a fear behind that it's like oh 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 oh, is is this gonna be a manic episode is this gonna be sure there's a there's a definite I would think anyway, in my own personal life, there's a, a fear, a mistrust, uh, you know, Absolutely. oh my gosh, I can't go through that again. Sure. But yep. I, I wonder, cause you have had, so, you know, I just think of the word surrounded, you know, God has surrounded you. It seems uh, you've been through hell and back for sure. Um, but obviously we can sit here today and go, well, you wouldn't be doing what you're doing today. Um, having not walked through that valley of the shadow of death for sure with fresh hope and with this beautiful nonprofit that you have. And I I just don't want to leave our conversation until perhaps you can offer to, you know, I do primarily have women in this audience, but there might be men that God leads here. Uh, There may be pastoral ministers. We don't know, but what other than this, remarkable steadfast wife um what what was place what did you put in place um i like to talk a lot about emotional health tools you know to strengthen the toolboxes of everyone listening you know what what would you suggest or what would you say you placed you and your wife placed into a, a toolbox to help you navigate this world of bipolar and mental health and get back into a place where you could, you know, experience life, which is, I know a big part of what you do. I know you have these seven tenants. I know you have, you know, just if you would share, I would love to know. Well, I, yeah, very quickly, mm-hmm. what happened with Fresh Hope, the tenants come from things I had to come to terms with that mm-hmm. helped me recover. 
Okay. So those seven tenants are all. If you would share those, those, that would be great. Well, boy, I'll try to. Do okay, or I, I can add them in. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, put them I'll in add the them in. notes. I will. I will. Um, okay, Heartlifters, I'm going to stay true to my promise. In the book, which is actually a workbook book, there are six tenets I misquoted, and they're the heart of the Fresh Hope Wellness Plan. And Brad writes, at first look, the tenets may seem long and cumbersome, but the purpose will gradually unfold. Boy, I understand that from the nine tools and stronger every day, right? Each of the tenets can really be boiled down to a very simple understanding. So here's what he gives. Tenet one states the sooner you accept your diagnosis and learn about it, the sooner you can get better. Tenet two has to do with relationships and that our mood disorders and our dysfunctions have affected the people around us and specifically the people we love. We need to recover not just for our own sake, but for the sake of those who love us and for the sake of those who have been affected by our mood disorder. Tenet three is about not using your mood disorder as an excuse not to live. It's really a choice. And this is where we start talking about, therefore, I choose to believe. Oh, these are so good. And I'm summarizing. So get the book so you can read all about it and begin your own work here. This is, per this is perfect just for our emotional and mental health. Tenet 4 addresses the whole concept of hopelessness. Hopelessness comes about for a number of reasons, one of them being a lack of confidence and really the lack of choosing to be hopeful. We have been, we have been speaking a lot about our choices lately and choosing. Here it is again. Tenet 5 explains that we've got to change how we think and act, and that medicine can only do so much. We have to work alongside our medicine and take responsibility for how we think and act and get rid of our stinking thinking. Well, we talk a lot about that here, don't we? And if you need some help with that, you can certainly uh, take the brand new course that's online to go with uh, Stronger Every Day. Tenet 6 reminds us that we can easily allow ourselves to be victims because of our disorder. Whew. The bottom line of this tenet is that we're going to choose to be victors through Christ. But... Um... For instance, I had to come to terms with the fact that I had something wrong with me. The yes. longer I denied it, the sicker I was going to be. So mm -hmm. you got to come to terms with it, take the medicine, do what you got to do, mm -hmm. but start the journey of learning about it and growing from it. And don't take it as a death sentence. It is possible to mm -hmm. live well in spite of having a mental health disorder. And mm -hmm. it is not the worst thing that can happen to somebody in life. Mm -hmm. um, if you look at it that way, then it will be the worst thing for you. Yeah, it's a mindset you're offering us, a real oh, true, yeah, yeah, beautiful yeah, yeah. mindset, uh, yes. And never think of the medicine as being a magic potion. Mm -hmm. um, you're gonna take it, but you still have got to do a whole mm -hmm. truckload of work to you get do. better. Yeah, and, um, I appreciate you, gotta, you saying that, honestly, because you it's not a magic water. pill. And, and therapists right. and mental health professionals don't have a magic wand. I say yep. it all the time. If you yep. don't put and, put the work in. <laughs> yeah, and you, you have to work alongside of the medicine with mm. your doctor and your therapist. Um, right. And then I would say 
you got to have a support system for between mm-hmm. those appointments. There's more life between the appointments than there, you know. Ooh, yes. Not this. Um, there's so many people that are afraid of mental health issues, and they probably have one themselves if they're terribly mm-hmm. afraid of it. But um, the you got to have people around you that help you learn how to live well in spite mm-hmm. of it. I love that. Um, mm-hmm. The fact that the mental health care system, the I say recovery is like a coin. On one side, you have the medical part, the people who help, such as yourself, a therapist, the doctor, the medicine, all that. On the other side of that coin is now, how do I live with this? It's so I, good, Brad. How, oh how my gosh. How do I take what I learned in these Mm -hmm. things and apply them to my everyday life? Mm -hmm. Because I think there's a disconnect and that's where peers come in. Peers can help other peers do that. Like no one, none other. Oh, you write about that. You're very clear on that. The statistics, one out of every five children, teens and adults in America has a diagnosable mental illness with those who love them also affected by the mental health challenge and research shows that obtaining hope is best caught, not taught yep. by peers who've been there. I That's one of my favorite sentences because I learned that phrase from an old scholar named F.B. Meyer. And he just said, more is caught than taught. And yep. when I read that, I thought you're doing it right, man. That's well, and Beautiful. if you're if you're feeling hopeless, don't hang around other people who feel hopeless. And that's what no. I when I first went to some mental health support groups. And and that yes. all the time. If it the the mental health support groups that I did go to, and you know what? It made me sicker. Mm. And it was because Tell us why. Yeah. was just sitting around and they were talking about how horrible it was. Yeah. How'd you get this medicine? Are you taking this? How'd you get on disability? What, what's your doctor say about that? And I thought, yeah. oh my God, I've got to learn how to live with this. Yes. I, yes. Can't, I, can't, I can't sit down and become this. Oh, I think that's um, just so powerful. I'm sorry. I'm just so grateful you're saying this because yeah, that's, that's where your vision for fresh hope came. Yep. Yep. And that's, I started complaining to my doctor. I'm a, (laughs) I'm a good German Lutheran pastor. We (laughs) complain. And um, what's wrong? What is wrong with them? They don't have it. You know, (laughs) I love it. I can't um, say I've ever, ever talked to a a good old German Lutheran pastor. So (laughs) this is fantastic. (laughs) You're enlarging my vision of Uh, this, uh, this faith practice. I love it. um, What he said then was, well, why don't you start the kind of group you want to go to? Little did I know, little did I know that I knew intuitively that a venting group was no good. Yeah, venting group. I like the way you're putting that. Mm -hmm. The research shows that when you go to a self-help group and all they do Mm -hmm. is vent, it actually Mm -hmm. makes the people sicker. Oh, I would think so for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so it needed direction to me. And I, at the seminary, had taken all the classes I could on alcoholism and intervention and all that kind of stuff because I I, I was fascinated by it, but I also understood families were suffering with alcoholism and yes. I, was, I have to know something about it. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so I kind of applied 
AA principles to it, you know. Perfect. The, the yes. seven tenets are not necessarily steps, but they are mm-hmm. beliefs that we center mm-hmm. around. Right. And, and you got to align your thinking to them. You do. And, um, anyway, so I started that group and, <laughs> and there were a whole bunch of people looking for the same kind of thing. And, mm. and fortunately, I was um, blessed to meet one of the two psychi- psychologists who studied um, how hope works clinically. They studied it for 25 years. He did 14 years of the 25 years of research. And I got to know him a little bit. And what's interesting is that intuitively I was doing the things that um, Mm -hmm. how hope works. And then I have taken that in my own theory of recovery, if you will, I've taken that Mm -hmm. and said, okay, if you take those 25 years of clinical principles of how simple it is that hope works. Is that Dr. Michael who you wrote the book with or? uh, No, no. Oh, okay. Okay. um, uh, His name is, uh, it'll come to me. (laughs) He he wrote the book, Making Hope Happen. Okay, Um, perfect. I believe that's the name of it. Uh, mm-hmm. Shane Lopez or Sean Lopez. Shane okay. Lopez. Unfortunately, he died of suicide. Oh. And I just feel teacher was tested. Oh. Oh yeah. And um. Yeah, it's difficult, uh, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's painful to even. It's painful, say. grievous. Um, mm-hmm. But he, he really clarified for me so many things Mm -hmm. and what we've done like even in our hope coaching that we have available to people where we train them to be a hope coach or they Mm -hmm. can see hope coaching or whatever is to take the very simple things of I find that I I say this if you don't deal with your pain your pain deals with you without a doubt your body, your body keeps the score. We now have so much information and heartlifters, you understand how much we stand on the shoulders of these great people, just like Shane Lopez that uh, Brad is talking about. We stand on the shoulders, especially these last two decades of understanding more and more and more. I'm so grateful. Yep. Yeah. If you, if you don't deal with that pain and if I know you better, I'll say it a different way, but I don't do that. Um, <laughs> but because if you don't deal with the stuff in your life, mm-hmm. It deals with you. And, yes, sir. Um, ev- and I, mm. I, everybody's got stuff. We all got stuff. That's yep. exactly right. We and, do. And we also say here that, you know, I, one thing that changed my life is when I heard this, this particular quote was when you think you're sweeping it under the rug, right? We, we uh, were really super good sweepers. You're really sweeping it into the nervous system. And so that's where I pound the table. The reality is that everybody has this. It's a result of, you know, deals. I always tell people, you may not have a mental illness, a diagnosable mental illness, Mm -hmm. but let me tell you, you got emotional stuff. Oh, we do. And And particularly, I'm just going to say it one more time, particularly within our our Western church, for sure, our Christian faith, it's not judgment. It's just truth that we, um, that's why you're so vital. And I wanted you to be here because you're helping us expand our understanding. Well, and I would put it this way as a pastor, if 
we didn't have stuff. Our statistics within the Christian church would be different than the statistics amongst the general population. I agree. And they are not different. No, they're not. They're not. And no, so you're right. And we have to do better. What they know from trauma with the Trauma Healing Institute with the American Bible Society is the fact that years ago, and this is how the uh, trauma healing stuff within that organization started, um, missionaries about 18, 20 years ago now, maybe mm-hmm. more than that, were trying to um, evangelize people in Africa in some of these tribes. And uh, they were doing everything that they've always done and no results. Yes. And then it dawned on them that these people had been through so many tribal wars and things like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, so they had Christian uh, therapists that helped them and they developed these story-based ways of helping people process their pain. Isn't and that I, I, the Christian church is notorious for this. We like to bypass pain. We do. It's called spiritual bypassing. We talk yeah. a lot about that here. I love this and, new and, term, however new it is, that we have yeah. finally uh, gotten some a name for it. Yes. Oh, let me tell you, Jesus, yes. we'll get you through this. Please don't talk about your pain to me. Yes. Uh, it makes me feel uncomfortable. So right. I'd rather just not hear your tears and I don't want to wallow with you. So let's right. just believe and trust Jesus. Well, yeah. the Bible yeah. filled, the Bible is filled with lamenting. It is. Yes. It, it, God gave us a way to grieve mm-hmm. in a godly way without creating ruminating, yeah. which that ruminating is not good. Right. But if I learn how to grieve, to lament, yes. and at the end of a godly lament, you turn it around and you say, but God, while this is something only you can solve, I will, while I'm waiting, trust in you. Mm-hmm. I will look to you. Now you're looping your brain out of mm-hmm. ruminating. Yeah. And I tell people, no matter how often you have to root, root or no matter how often you have to lament, mm. always loop out of that lament with mm. praise and trust to God. That's and- good. Yeah. We'll talk more about that. Heartlifters. Um, I will, I will definitely dedicate some time. Yeah. to looping out of the lamenting out of the loop. I really think that's uh, crucial yeah. and powerful because um, the loops are strong. Feedback loops are strong. Right. And, and they can become you, a stronghold. So yeah, if you, if you, and here's what a stronghold looks like in the brain, from my perspective, if mm. you ruminate, they know that what happens is it's like a needle uh, in a, in a record player and it mm. gets stuck and it stays and it gets deeper and deeper it and does. deeper. And That's you right. cannot get the brain out of it without no. doing some things. Yeah. And medicine alone is not going to take care of that. You have to, you know, right. I've never seen anybody take an antidepressant and then 90 days into it, they get out of bed and said, I'm better. Yeah. Life is so much better. It makes yeah. it better, but there still are other. And that's, that's certainly what I, why I'm here. Uh, is to continue to offer emotional health and mental health tools so that we can have a vibrant spiritual life. Yep. You know, that we we can't have a vibrant spiritual life if we aren't mentally and emotionally well. No, I, and we've we got a lot can't. of toxic Christianity going yeah, on around us because 
Um, If people bypass their pain and then they Mm -hmm. start to sugarcoat it with all this faith Mm -hmm. and, and upbeat and enthusiastic and blah, 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 that pain is still there and it's not going to go anywhere. It is going to start oozing out in other ways. And I know, you know, um, I have a pastor friend who said, if the Christian church does not learn how to really care for people, it will be irrelevant so soon. Well, I think we're seeing that already happening, yeah. sadly. And so, but we're here and I, yeah. I, I want to um, honor your time and the listener's time, but you have something going on for the month of May because May is mental health month, but I have asked permission if I can keep this going, because this probably <laughs> won't, won't air uh, in May, sure. but yeah. you're offering something that I, it's making me smile. Just talking about the happy place challenge. <laughs> I mean, I love the work you're doing. I'm going to let everyone know how to get a hold of you or how to become a hope coach or how to start a hope support peer to peer group in their church, their homes, their neighborhoods, whatever. But please, Brad, leave us, leave us with an understanding of how oh, we yeah. can maybe have our own happy place challenge in our life. Right. Yep. Well, um, the happy place challenge is, is meant to help people really lift their moods, uh, to yeah. think about where am I happy? Yes. Where's my happy places? When am I, I the happiest? It. And, um, anyway, our staff was trying to come up with some kind of challenge, you know, like the ice bucket challenge or whatever. Oh, yeah. And yeah, we yeah, said, yeah. let's, Let's do a happy place. God, I love it, this. Even saying it makes you happy. It does. I'm smiling from ear to ear because I yeah. see myself on my bike. I see myself. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so um, what we've done is said, just post on social media, mm-hmm. um, post pictures of you in your happy place or pictures of your happy place or Mm. your happy people or whatever. And just put hashtag F H meaning fresh hope F H happy place. Okay. And um, it kind of like the ice bucket challenge. We're trying Mm -hmm. to just say to people have fun. Yes. And, (laughs) And one of the things that happened to my wife and myself once early on with my doctor, um, Dr. Michael Egger, um, who did write the first book along with me, or he has sections in it. We didn't really write together. He answered questions based on the chapters, but perfect. (laughs) what's really (laughs) funny is that um, he is like very um, academic and you expect him to be smoking a pipe speaking, speaking in an English accent, you know, and um, yeah, in front of a fire and, in, yeah. in Ireland. No. <laughs> yeah. One time we're in his office and we're talking about all this, you know, stuff that was happening. And um, he looked at us and he said, you both are taking your life way too seriously. Lighten mm. up. Lighten up. And it kind of reminds me. Wow. How I've now seen that uh, skit that the comedian years ago did, and he was the psychiatrist in it. And this woman was coming in and sharing all this stuff. And he said, well, just quit it. Quit it. Oh, stop it. He says, it's Bob. Yeah. It's Bob Newhart. That is hysterical. Yeah, Bob Newhart. I will yeah. put that out on um, our show notes because it's hysterical. My husband always says that. Just stop it. Stop it. Yeah. Stop it. Well, and <laughs> sometimes, you know, my wife has said that to me. But, you know, this is not about you. Would you stop it? You know, you're you, just stop it. Well, 
to me, the happy place challenge means think about where you're happy and you'll, you'll actually get happier. Um, and what we found with our staff that day in the meeting was we all started talking about our happy places and we were laughing and, and we said, okay, that's it. Let's do it. We're going to do it. I love it. I want to keep this going and I encourage you and please tell your staff to not let this end in May because I'm going to just shout it out and ask everyone to just keep uh, posting their happy place challenges because it really, it, it is well, something that makes me happy. And I think it's a great way to, to uh, approach our lives. Well, so. and Janelle, I'd like to tell your listeners that it's so important to everybody to know this. I don't mm-hmm. care how deep your pain is right now. Yeah. Um, and you may be at the worst spot in your life and feel like you cannot get back up. Yeah. You can feel like you're so broken yet you can't go on mm-hmm. and that you're beyond hope. Uh, you can go ahead and feel those things. Mm-hmm. But just know this. There is a way out. There is a yeah. way forward. There is. And when you're going through hell, you don't stop. You just have to keep taking one step at a time. Yes. But a place where you can find a lot of hope is in a fresh hope group. And, yes. and people, and you can be a loved one who loves somebody, mm-hmm. or you can um, have the issues yourself and come to fresh hope. And we'll pump you full of hope. We will. Right. And it's not a magic thing. Nope. It will take time and all mm-hmm. of that. But I am living proof mm. that you can be broken beyond hope mm. and um, that you can live well. And that's why I wanted you here, Pastor Brad. Broken beyond hope. I think that is um, very powerful because I know many are feeling that. But you have given us hope, fresh hope today. And I just can't wait to continue to see how many people receive hope. And so please go ahead and take this happy place challenge, hashtag FH happy place, hashtag um, today's heart lift with Janelle. And I'm going to be posting mine. And Brad, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. And please thank Donna, your wife. Yes, today's her birthday. And just (laughs) leave us out with one way you're going where's your happy place today is it grilling a beautiful dinner for your wife what what is it for today my happy place right now right Mm -hmm. now in this moment is going to be when we're done with this i'm going to (laughs) have a second cup of coffee yes and i'm gonna go have lunch so there we go all right (laughs) thank you so much brad this has been such a blessing uh hopefully we will talk with you again you bet absolutely god bless you god bless you Oh, Heartlifters, what a great conversation with Pastor Brad. Be sure to check out Fresh Hope and even maybe find out how to be a hope coach at freshhope.us. That's freshhope.us. And right now, the training is only $39. It's on sale. So I am excited to tell you about that. And I just want to leave us. I want to leave us with another beautiful essay by my favorite Irish poet, David White, from his book, Consolations. And this is an excerpt from Help. Help is strangely something we want to do without. 
as if the very idea disturbs and blurs the boundaries of our individual endeavors, as if we cannot face how much we need in order to go on. We are born with an absolute necessity for help, grow well only with a continuous succession of extended hands, and as adults depend upon others for our further successes and possibilities in life, even as competent individuals. Even the most solitary writer needs a reader, the most independent candidate, a voter. Not only does the need for help never leave us alone, but we must apprentice ourselves to its different necessary forms at each particular threshold of our lives. At every stage, we are dependent on our ability to ask for specific forms of help at very specific times and in very specific ways. Even at the end, the dignity of our going depends on others' willingness to help us die well. The sincerity of their help often commensurate to the help we extended to them in our own life. Every transformation has at its heart the need to ask for the right kind of generosity. If you need help today, know that it's a sign of strength, not a sign of weakness. And if I can be any help, you know where to find me. Thanks for listening today. It was great having you here. For even more great content and resources, please join the Stronger Everyday online community at JanelleRairdon.com. Always remember, you, my friend, have value, worth, and dignity.